What's up, tea amigos? Welcome to Fresh Steeps, uncovering the health benefits of tea for your active life. My name is Vince Lapalusa, and I am your host and guide on this tea journey. I'm a chemical engineering athlete who has been obsessed with the health benefits of herbs and tea for over 10 years now, and I'm honored to lead this journey of understanding tea better. Today, I hosted Rochelle Robinette. Rochelle is a supernatural herbalist looking to connect the functions of nature for your life. Are you new to herbalism or have been stuck in the weeds with all the herbalism terminology? Are you curious about adaptogens and understanding what they are? Have you recently contracted COVID and looking for ways to keep yourself healthy and supported in this time? Well, Rochelle and I answer all of this and more. So grab your tea, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Rochelle, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, super excited for this. Um, I really have been, after I found, I don't know how I discovered you on your page, but after I did, I really kind of fell in love with your content and everything that you talk about in regards to herbalism. Um, But before we dive into you and everything, as always, I like to ask, what are you drinking today? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I am drinking dandelion chamomile tea and I added, um, herbal bitters to it. So it's more dandelion and some gentian and artichoke and orange peel and those kinds of things. But yeah, wow, good afternoon tea for me. Yeah. And when you say dandelion, is it which part of the dandelion or the whole thing? Root. The root. No, unfortunately not. Yeah. It's just the root. A little, a little bitter. Yeah. I just a quick side story. I harvested a bunch of dandelion from my parents' yard and from my backyard this year. And stupidly, I thought, all right, like I drink dandelion root tea all the time and it's bitter, but I'm going to take a bite out of this dandelion root. It was horrible. <laughs> it was terrible. The most, the, probably the most bitter thing I've ever eaten. And the, and the taste didn't go away for at least 24 wow. hours. It was. I don't know if you've had that experience. Wow. But it, yeah. No. You know, I haven't, but it's funny. I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> like, I could just <laughs> nibble on this, right? Right. Yeah. I, I thought. I, and I'm like, well, why not? Like, it's, I know it's healthy in my backyard and, and whatnot. So, but okay, <laughs> enough of that. Um, and the bitters, actually, did you make those? Um, I didn't make these bitters, but I do have uh, two quarts of bitters downstairs that I have made. I just kind of, filter through like or rotate through whichever I'm in the mood for mine are a little bit more like clovey and cinnamony Mm. and maybe even more on the sweet side I mean they're all the bitter plants but there's also the sweet aromatics and these are a little bit more of the pure like gentian and um there's there's no sweetness in this this um one that I'm using which is actually here it's the urban moonshine really good bitters beautiful yeah Cool. But homemade, it's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see that you, or I saw that you do have a recipe, I think, on your website for your homemade bitters. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so if people are interested, yep. yeah, can check yeah. that out. Um, but let's get into you. So what is your background? What got you started with herbalism? I know that you grew up on a farm. Is that kind of where your whole mm-hmm. life kind of became like where it's like, I love plants, <laughs> basically? You know, kind of, um, kind of in the sense that I grew up on a farm, I definitely developed my relationship with nature there, and with solitude there, and with um, concepts that I still draw on today, and I would say, kind of equivalent, equivalently um, impactful was the fact that you know, my dad was a doctor, Western medicine, surgery, Mm. and, um, you know, kind of that world. My mom is in nutrition and um, functional medicine and very alternative. And so the combination of all of that meant that I had an early understanding of how, um, you know, we're related to nature, how our food makes us feel, how medicine works, how alternative medicine works, 
and all of these ideas. I was very steeped in it. But growing up on the farm, you know, I hated it. <laughs> As a kid, it was not fun. It wasn't like yeah. this. I love plants. I love vegetables. I want to have a vegetable garden. I, I was like, I don't want any of this. Oh, I'm moving to New York City. I'm going to live in Manhattan and I'm going to work in fashion. <laughs> so it was totally, you know, I, I literally ran away from the farm as soon as I could, which was not until I turned 18 mm -hmm. um, and ran for quite a while. But, you know, on in the background, I was super healthy. I was always very interested in, um, you know, again, kind of alternative medicines and um, the, the traditional healing systems of the world and different um, religious systems and spiritual systems, which all of that, you know, relates. Um, so these things were deeply rooted. And there came a time when I kind of came home to my version of being plant-based, being herbal, still in New York City or Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't go straight from the farm to where I am now. We'll say right. that. Yeah. And actually, I appreciate that a lot because the what you're saying and what I'm hearing is like anybody can embody this sort of lifestyle. You don't have to go completely off the grid, live in the woods and be foraging your own type of uh, herbs and and doing that you're you're living in new york you're living in one of the largest cities in the world and still yeah. cultivating this lifestyle which is super cool yeah. and but you did have that background which again i find that fascinating like your the western medicine from your from your dad while also maybe a little yeah. bit of the eastern medicine and how that blends i, yeah. I think that's a great background personally <laughs> super cool yeah um, yeah, I'm I'm grateful for it for sure. Um, and it there are things that you know my parents taught me about health and food and stuff that I now teach my clients, and it's it's exact. You know, like it's really transferred. Um, but I love the fact that you do note that you can do this anywhere because I think herbalism for outsiders, you know, still has this perception or stigma of being, you know, you know, eventually you've got to go back to the land. Eventually you have to do, you know, kind of the things that you're mentioning. And, and a lot of what I've been trying to do from the time that I started Supernatural years ago is to show that um, it can work for all these different times types of lifestyles um, and that it can be, you know, it can, it can integrate you know, yeah. no matter where you are. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. No, that's awesome. So again, before we jump into the herbs, because that's, that's your bread mm -hmm. and butter, if I can say that. Um, I talk a lot and I love all about like the, the camellia sinensis plant, like green tea, black tea, puers, oolongs, stuff like that. How, what's your experience with that plant? Yeah. Well, I, you have way more experience with that plant than I do. I'll say that. Um, yeah. I do, I do use the, you know, it's funny. I've been using that plant a lot this month and I tend to use it a lot in January's because people are transitioning off of coffee and also wanting to do like body composition changes or weight loss changes. And green tea is so helpful for metabolism and appetite and all that. So Green tea is very much in my life right now, again, kind of cyclically. Um, but I don't personally consume a lot of caffeine. So I'm not personally working with that plant in a lot of ways, except for decaf, green tea, um, which is pretty infrequent for me personally. I did have a pretty good love affair with puer. I think mm. that is just super cool. Um so yeah, I would say I do, I do, I use it in supplement form for some of my clients too. Um, it's, it's not a primary plant for me, but it's surely in the mix. Yeah. yeah. When you say supplement form, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, I actually mean the green tea extract. So ah. EGCG. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Glad you asked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and that's, so EGCG is like one of the main polyphenol compounds, the catechin, actually, I guess if you want to bring it down even more. 
of green tea and it's super potent in matcha so i don't know if you ever do you ever recommend matcha or do you just recommend like the actual i'm sure it's even more concentrated in the supplement that you're recommending right yeah the the nice thing about the supplement is that it has um little to no caffeine in it i think matcha is phenomenal and to be honest if i could drink matcha more often i would um I'm super sensitive to green tea in any form, but especially matcha on an empty stomach. And so all the times that I'm wanting to have matcha, also I only drink caffeine a little bit in the morning. So it's like at that point, you know, if I have it, my stomach's empty and I'm done for. Um, So I, I wish I could have matcha. You know, I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. It just doesn't really, it doesn't work with my lifestyle. Um, So for some of my clients, depending on where they are with caffeine and, um, when they're having it in their day and that sort of thing, I would recommend it. Um, just depends. Yeah. yeah. And so when you say it doesn't do well with you, does it give you like acid reflux, extreme nausea, kind of headaches, like that kind of feeling? It makes me super nauseous. Yeah. yeah super it's... nauseous just instantly. I don't get any reflux, but like, it'll be that like cold, sweaty palms and <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's too bad because it's beautiful. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And for the longest time, so I, I practice intermittent fasting every once in a while. And mm-hmm. I, in college, when I got super into intermittent fasting and also still drank tea very regularly, I experienced that. And I was like, well, this is just the sacrifice for health. Like I got to feel like shit for like 30 (laughs) minutes or whatever, or for like an hour. And then, and then it goes away and it did always go away. And I just fought through it. But legitimately I was like, I am going to vomit. Never did, but that was the thought. And I've done research on it now because people are coming to me. They're like, why do I feel this? Like, this is so common for me. I'm like, okay, this is clearly something going on. And what I've discovered is that, so there's a high amount of tannins and polyphenols in the green tea. When you steep green tea at a high temperature for a long period of time, you actually increase the amount of tannins. Tannins are kind of linear, linearly progressive with the, uh, yeah, with the higher temperature and longer steep times. So if you can actually reduce, reduce those temperatures. So for like green tea, I always recommend between like 160 to 180 degrees Fahrenheit steep temperature for maximum three minutes. That greatly reduces that I've noticed in myself and as well as other people I've recommended this to. Also, any little Mm -hmm. bit of food can help as well. But if you're trying to do fasting, that can be a challenge. So just yeah, it's something that I've yeah. I love that. Um, does it work? Does that apply with matcha? Because you're not really steeping the matcha, right. so that doesn't right. apply, right? It, exactly. And I haven't thought much on that, and I haven't looked too much into that, but you're exactly right because you're not really steeping. You're actually consuming the whole leaf still. So what yeah. – yeah, I, I actually don't know that. That's something I think after this show I'm going to be looking up, though. Oh. So. Let me know if you find out if there's a if there's yes. a way for me to do it. Then I'm all in for matcha. Yes. Okay. I will. I will. Well, awesome. So let's dig into the herbalism because um, that's again why you're here. So I just want to start kind of assuming someone's listening and they know nothing about herbalism. This is their first time ever experiencing it. It's a whole new world. When they think of herbs, they think of like stuff that they use in their kitchen and yeah, can't fathom it. So can you break it down to someone who's listening like that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would say if if you if you have something in your kitchen, you know, that's a vegetable or a fruit or a spice or even an herbal tea or something like that, that is herbalism. You know, herbalism is so holistic that um, it's very likely that we're all encountering it at some point in our daily lives. Um, It is the, you know, by definition, it's the therapeutic use of plants. And plants 
you know, can be these herbs that are specifically functional as medicines or supplements or remedies, but they can also be plants that are vegetables and fruit and other produce. Uh, and then you have things that are sort of in the middle, which are like spices and the, you know, gingers and garlics that are like really functional foods. And then on the, you know, far end of the spectrum, so if you have like carrots and apples on one side, the other side of the spectrum would be things like psychedelic or entheogenic plants or poisonous plants, which are also still used in um, herbalism, maybe in very small doses or topically or something like that. So herbalism is the use of nature and plants um, to be well, you know, to be more connected, to be more in balance, to be more yourself as a human organism that is in a constant um, reciprocal relationship with the natural world. And a lot of times we forget that and we are kind of out of sync with that, or we're not having a healthy relationship with nature and our bodies are yearning for it, you know? And so to, to reestablish that connection naturally is herbalism. So, you know, I, I hope that when I describe it that way, um, it starts to open up a little bit, the idea that it's all of these different things. And I always describe, you know, one of the reasons why I'm basically married to herbalism is because it's so holistic that it's, you know, anything we're taking in through our senses is affecting our being. And herbalism considers all of that, the light that I'm consuming from the screen, the water, my breath, you know, all of it, as well as yes, medicinal plants, but it's definitely not just medicinal plants. <laughs> right. No, that's, that was a beautiful explanation. And yeah, it's a, it opens up my mind to so many questions, but we're going to focus <laughs> specifically on the tea aspect because, and <laughs> like the infusions and the medicinal plants, because like I said, I mean, it's, you're talking about like the, the one side that people think of like the psychedelics, like the ayahuasca's, the combo. I think you're talking about like the topical mm -hmm. stuff. And you talk about carrots and apples, something that people are extremely yeah. <laughs> And then there's all of this in between. So it's a very, yeah, like yeah. I said, we could talk about every single thing within there for hours, but we'll focus on tea yeah. for right now because that's, uh, that's why we're here. Um, so let's give like a little bit of a definition because some of these things come up all the time i see the words tinctures i see tea i see infusions decoctions mm -hmm. there's a lot there that goes that goes on so i guess for you do you want to take like a, some of those and just kind of give some of your mm -hmm. like top vocab words that people should understand about this type of herbalism mm -hmm. yeah definitely um and that's that's great i would say that whole kind of batch of, you know, uh, terminology that you're referring to are uh, herbal extracts and all the forms in which we can extract from plants to create medicine or supplements. So in, in terms of extracts, um, usually we are doing that when we're consuming plants because we're concentrating the medicine or the benefits or the functional compounds that we want out of those plants so that we can consume them and get a therapeutic dose. So you could eat, you know, lots of, well, dandelion is not really a great example because it's, you can eat it and it's, you know, very functional when you eat it as a bitter plant, but mm -hmm. um, something like the green tea to go back to that. And we're like, we want the EGCG, you know, or we want the, um, antioxidants from another plant or we want the curcumin from turmeric so we're extracting from plants a lot of times to get you know concentrated benefits the different extract formats are typically powders and powders can be loose and you just do teaspoons or tablespoons of those as a dose um, or they can be put into capsules <laughs> and then you have liquid extracts which are tinctures and tinctures can be alcohol-based 
or if the tincture is vegetable glycerin based, then it's also referred to as a glycerite. Mm. Those come in little dropper bottles typically, or this is like a big bottle of a tincture that is herbal bitters. Then you have um, kind of syrups and um, ciders, fire ciders, mm. and um, uh, oxymels, which is honey and uh, vinegar. And those are kind of this, or shrubs, they're this sort of category of things that are um, usually some kind of sugar or juice base, something's preserving the, the liquid and you're taking it like you would take an elderberry syrup or a cough syrup or something like that. The dose is about, you know, a tablespoon often is a serving there. Um, so what did I, oh, and then of course teas. So yeah. in terms of extracting into water, <laughs> um, you have an infusion, which I'm sure you've talked about um, on this podcast before. An infusion would be an herbal tea made with anything other than the tea plant. So that's a tisane mm -hmm. or an infusion. Actually, I'm sorry, I misspoke a little bit there. A tisane or a tisane is an herbal tea from any plant that's not the tea plant. An infusion is the extraction into water in general. Right, yeah. So then we have... Um, the decoction, which is a longer um, simmer, and you simmer something for two hours or 12 hours, or sometimes things are simmering for days. So that's oh, wow. like a very concentrated tea. Um, yeah. And that's also called a decoction. Usually, you want to do a briefer steep. So a briefer infusion for things that are low in fiber, flowers, leaves, you know, really kind of soft and, and gentle materials. And then yeah. the more sturdy, the material, the higher in fiber, you would do the longer decoction or simmer for that functional mushrooms, roots, uh, and barks. So kind of a lot of information, but hopefully that yeah. clarifies the sort of landscape of extractions. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that was really well clear, clearly put out. Um, like I said, there's there's a lot there, but I think it's good to at least understand the different levels. And I think the differences that I understand of like tinctures and those extracts that you first talked about versus like the infusions that you get with a decoction or an infusion is the concentration of the compound that you're looking to get the curcumin, for example, out of like a turmeric root, you're going to have more in like a tincture versus a decoction, let's say, or am I misspe am I misspeaking? No, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, and you're correct. You, the tinctures are more concentrated than teas and capsules and powders are also usually more concentrated. Uh, the other reason why we'll use different bases to extract is because some of the compounds that you want are water soluble some mm. of them are fat or alcohol soluble and some plants want a little bit of both so you mix those and you extract them you know two ways a lot of people will do double extractions on um, mushrooms for example so if a plant like if you were trying to extract myrrh you know frankincense and myrrh so myrrh is like this resin mm -hmm. um, and make a tea out of it you're not going to get what you want you need a really high alcohol concentration to extract those compounds. And then you have a tincture of myrrh, which you can put into your tea if you want to, but you wouldn't want to make a tea out of it. So mm, that's the other rationale that's driving the extraction types. What would you use myrrh for out of it, or for example? Yeah, um, it is great for uh, the immune system and mm. for inflammation. Frankincense and myrrh together actually are, are better together than um, it, either one on their own. It's a, it's a synergy, those two plants. Quite powerful. Very interesting. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually been coming up quite often in the last few podcasts I've been talking about are these synergistic effects of plants mm. together. And 
it's remarkable and that like it, that could really be a whole podcast in itself because there are some plants that are great together and then there's others that i'm sure counteract each other because i know like for example i take some supplements and i'm blanking exactly what it is but i think like calcium you should or should not take with vitamin d3 and then there's like one that yeah stuff like that i always get, i get a little confused but like sometimes they end up blocking each other and you end up just kind of peeing it out mm -hmm. so that's that's interesting yeah. to say that so it's true Yep, there's yeah. lots of that in herbalism. So, yeah, again, thank you for kind of clearing up those. Now, digging into the herbs themselves, um, something I've actually been seeing you post a lot about and screaming from the mountaintops is adaptogens, about adaptogens and how people are <laughs> calling adaptogens or anything is an adaptogen at this point, And they're just willy nilly throwing throwing that word around. So. If you could please clarify what is an adaptogen and yeah, then yeah. We'll, we'll start there. Yeah, with pleasure, <laughs> as you can tell. I, um, I, you know, it, it, it's that it, it bothers me because it's misinformation the way that it's used, you know, and so I'm just really trying to um, remedy that and um and it's just, it's just so prevalent right now. Anyway, so in herbalism, you know, we have thousands and thousands of plants. And the way that they're organized are uh, by categories. And we created the categories based on how those herbs affect our bodies. Um, the categories are, are basically, you know, the functions of the plants. So this one is adaptogenic. This one is a sedative. This one is a you know, painkiller, this one is anti-inflammatory, all these different things. And um, adaptogens are one category of herbs. And in that category, there are no more than two dozen plants. Like, it's really like a dozen for sure. And then the rest mm. of them are like probable adaptogens, it's about 12 more, so like 24 plants. And, you know, you could probably walk down the grocery aisle, definitely in a health food store and see claims of all these different plants being adaptogens it would be, you know, a hundred, maybe not a hundred, hmm. but a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's a small category of plants that um, specifically are defined by the fact that they are non-toxic, normalizing, non-specific, and they work through the HPA axis in the brain to help our stress response system. The simple way to sum that up is that they help to normalize our body's response to stress in general. So that could be emotional stress, physical stress, environmental stress, like noise, whatever it is. It, that, there's so much more I could say about it, but um, that's the definition of an adaptogen. And I guess the point that I would really pull out of that if I have to, to kind of highlight one mm -hmm. is that normalizing normalizing is part of the definition so that means that they are not making us superhuman impervious to stress you know um like just stress-free they're not reducing stress they're helping to normalize our system and especially our recovery from stress so that we can then proceed through it in a more kind of humane manner. And I think the misconception is like, if I take adaptogens, I'm not going to be stressed out. Mm. That's just, that's not how it works. <laughs> so, that's not normal. <laughs> there's a little tidbit into it. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little tidbit into like the adaptogens iceberg conversation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The adaptogens, they're super, when I first learned about them, they're really awesome. And I think the one that's super popular right now is ashwagandha. Um, people are talking mm -hmm. all about that and how exactly you think, like you were saying about the stress and the cortisol levels, how it helps balance specifically cortisol. Is that correct? Or is it though, is it do more than that? Um, you're totally right on. It is great for normalizing cortisol levels. Um, ashwagandha is considered a calming adaptogen. Uh, has a ton of other benefits. Um, 
fertility support, immune system support. I mean, most herbs have so many different benefits, but ashwagandha is, it really is great. And it's one that a lot of people can benefit from taking on a regular basis for a long term. And, and actually, it, you know, should be used every day long term for you to get the benefits. It doesn't really work if you just take it here and there and here and there. It's one of those ones that wants to be used consistently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And so you said that that is a calming adaptogen. That was a question of mine. Are there different subcategories to adaptogens? I mean, you said there's only like 24. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome question. I love that. Um, Yes. So herbs can be in multiple categories. So um, you might have, what's a good example? Uh, So I would say outside of the adaptogens category, no, mm-hmm. well, yeah, outside of the adaptions category, you would have a plant like chamomile, which is a nerving, so it's great for the nervous system. It's also a carminative, which is great mm-hmm. for digestion. Um, other carminatives are like cinnamon and peppermint, these really aromatic plants. Um, holy basil is probably not a carminative, but it's it's one of the... Um, the, the adaptogens, the like newer, you know, probable adaptogens, but mm-hmm. yes, they can be in multiple categories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I know that's what, uh, cause ginseng, I believe is an adaptogen, correct. And then that one, mm-hmm. yep, that one actually does like the opposite of where it like, instead of relaxing as like ashwagandha does, doesn't it like boost your energy? It's like a caffeine free energy boost, right? Yes, exactly. It's one of the most energizing. Um, I mean, it is the most energizing adaptogen. And it's one of the most energizing plants we have until you get into like caffeine. But yeah, mm-hmm. rhodiola is another one very stimulating. Mm-hmm. So it's working. Yeah, in, in different ways. It, it's, you know, in the definition, what it does is it kind of gathers plants that fit a certain criteria. And so they all fit this certain criteria, but they also have these other, you know, things that they are. So mm-hmm. I don't know a good analogy for that, but I'm sure there is one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Probably um... people <laughs> like people. <laughs> Very true. Um, on just a quick note on rhodiola. I've only recently started working with it just cause it's popped up a lot for me. And it is a delicious flavor. It ha- it, it smells and tastes mm. like rose. And it's, but it's not like it still has like an earthy kind of woody almost taste to it. Really amazing. I just shout out to Rhodiola. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you know, you're inspiring me to, I assume you're drinking it in tea form. Yeah, decoction. I get the Rhodiola root. Yeah. Yeah, it inspires me to have it that way. I have been using it for quite a while, but really in capsules and tinctures um, or powder form, but mm. not the tea. And I should brew the tea. The the name the name comes from the rose scent of the root. So oh. you're spot on there. Okay. I did not yeah. know that. that. That was okay. <laughs> Ro- yeah, it's like there's rose root or there's there's some really beautiful stories some kind of folklore information about the the rose scented um root aspect of that plant yeah 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 super cool do you know where just out of curiosity do you know where it grows naturally oh i'm blanking on it yeah some days i know but not at the moment i (laughs) don't remember i'll let you know if it comes to me yeah no worries no worries so another question about the adaptogens, and you mentioned with ashwagandha specifically, it likes to be taken and worked with daily. Um, is, mm-hmm. I guess, kind of two questions. It's in regards to like that cycling. Is there, should you cycle? Mm-hmm. And because in my mind, is, can like ashwagandha, for example, affect the cortisol and can you almost become reliant on it balancing out your cortisol or is it good to work with it, bring your cortisol into normal levels and then you just keep maintain it in a normal, quote unquote, normal way? I don't not really know what that normal way would be, but yeah. 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 That's an awesome question. Um, 
I think that, um, so cycling herbs is not, we'll see. It depends on the person. It depends on the plant, but usually like the vast majority of the time, uh, we do not need to cycle herbs. So it's, it's a little bit like saying, should I stop eating vegetables? Like I'm healthy now. Should I stop eating my vegetables? And you're like, no, definitely don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, some plants, though, lend themselves naturally to being phased out because, as you described, we get to a state where we're recovered and mm. we don't need them anymore. You know, and so if you don't need it and you don't want it and you don't love it you know, you're not drinking it just for the pleasure or something like that, then you can totally phase it out. Um, you know, in that case, maybe you phase something else back in and maybe that plant is serving a different function or it's just a, you know, serving the pleasure function. So there is a natural cycling that can occur. Um, but you know, if you, never recover or you have a systemic or a you know lifelong um, imbalance that needs the support of something like a plant um, then you may keep it in your life forever uh, if your lifestyle is such that you're going to be under chronic stress that you do not have the power to change mm -hmm. for you know a decade or two decades maybe you keep that plant until you you know your situation does you know change so there are situations that will encourage a little bit of cycling, but it's rare that a plant needs to be um, cycled. Now, some exceptions to that would be something like really strong laxatives, which could cause dependency. So you would use it for a cleanse and then you would stop. Um, or plants that, that can be dependency um, creating or that that might be on that that border. So things like kratom um, or kratom, um, kava might be on that line for some people. Mucuna prurian, which is a dopamine supplement, might be on that line for some people. Um, you know, and that's not really any different than a supplement like you're taking 5-HTP. You know, we have to be careful with that. So, or caffeine. You know, that mm. should be cycled. Um, yeah. So. There are exceptions, but most of the time it's fine to mix a lot of herbs and take them long term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I just naturally, cause I don't know, I, I don't take the time to like specifically know of every herb. I kind of just naturally cycle. Like as I run out of an herb, I give myself like a month at least to like, okay, now I don't really need yeah. this anymore. I start experimenting with the other herbs I have. And then I go like, I'm like, okay, I feel like I want to go back to, to that herb. So then I go back to it. And then that's like what I do with my supplements. That's pretty much just what I do with a lot of things I do, except for like the food I eat. I eat like the same food for the most part, like that I've discovered is kind of worked with my, my body and my gut. Um, but no, it's good. It's good to know that. And yeah, the, the, when you were talking, the ones that you mentioned, like Kava, Kratom, Kratom, um, those ones are coming into my mind of. But see, those ones too are like, they're, they're strong herbs. You feel them immediately yeah. kind of versus like a lavender, a chamomile, the rhodiola. Like they're, I've heard them being called like subtle plant teachers where like you have to kind of like sit with them for a little mm -hmm. bit and focus on them. And then you can kind of hear them talking it with, with you. Whereas mm -hmm. like Kava's made me drunk before. So it's a it's a <laughs> yeah. completely different yeah. experience and then like obviously the next level would be those those psychedelics where you take them and you're yeah. nowhere <laughs> you're not here <laughs> you're somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah yeah um and then i don't know if you you i think you kind of already answered this with like the negatives are there truly any like real negatives when it comes to i kind of have this under my adaptogenic question and I'm going to leave it there because if I open up the negatives to herbs, it's like that's, yeah, there are going to be negatives to herbs for some people. But like, um, what would you say yeah. is like the, the inherent negatives that people should be aware of? Yeah, well, I first I have to say, I really love your questions. Um, they are different and 
um, clearly well-researched and really thoughtful. And I feel like it's easy to, for me to have the same conversation over and over again. So I yeah. really, I'm really digging um, all these different angles. And I mean, I don't think I've ever been asked this question, you know, outside of kind of internet, like fear of herbs, but which is actually something right. I'm really interested in right now. I think I might um, do some, do some research and, and write an essay about um, where our fear of herbs comes from. But yeah. um, in terms of the negatives and specifically to adaptogens, I mean, honestly, nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have to be, you know, the negative would be um, overuse, abuse, you know, you, like you have too much rhodiola and you make yourself anxious or, um, you know, you you would get, I mean, I don't even want to say sort of psychologically addicted to these things because it's really right. not dependency causing, but we can get, you know, mentally addicted to anything, a habit, mm -hmm. whatever it is. So, you know, if we get into that state and feel disabled by it, as opposed to enabled by it, um, you know, in terms of the adaptogens, there, there aren't, I don't know that there are any that are interacting with medication and a lot of times it's a lot of times herb and uh, medicine interactions are are not kind of what we imagine in terms of them being negative mm. so they're pretty safe you know and and yeah. even actually go let's go back to the definition you know they're non-toxic in therapeutic doses so right. there isn't a toxicity there um and that's in therapeutic doses of course if you you know, go too high with any of your doses, then things can become toxic. Um, not a lot of yeah. negatives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's kind of what I was expecting, but it uh, was more curious than anything. And like the only thing that I know from experience, and I've mentioned it on this podcast before is with ashwagandha specifically, it is part of the nightshade family. If you do have negative reaction towards nightshades, and again, the only reason I know this is because my girlfriend, she was drinking an ashwagandha uh, coffee and having a terrible reaction until she oh. finally realized, oh, wait, this is part of nightshades. Yeah. I didn't know that. And she knew, she knew that she was badly like allergic or whatever to nightshades. And then so then I was gifted yeah. this um ashwagandha which was great but um yeah unfortunate <laughs> for her um so that's that's yeah. the only thing that yeah. i can think of is something like that i agree with you there and you know just like we can have food sensitivities or environmental sensitivities yeah. or allergies um that can apply to plants so it is always a good idea to go slow and to know like if you're allergic to something is this plant in that same um category in terms of you know its classification and um and still just always go slow um i don't yeah. always take that advice when i test herbs a lot of times i go in very heavy-handed but <laughs> that's because i'm trying I'm, I'm to cut to you. the chase and like <laughs> yeah like let's meet this let's meet this <laughs> yeah uh, i think that's awesome um kind of taking a sharp left turn uh with these questions so you recently just got over covid correct mm, yes, yes i did yeah so i'm very curious through when you were having covid and then post covid was there anything that you changed yeah. for yourself like supplementing uh with an herb taking more of a, a certain kind of tea like what was your kind of experience with that and i realize it could be different for other people, but it's an interesting topic right now. And I think is kind of important to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. So I have had a pretty rigorous immune system protocol in place for, you know, since COVID started. So years now, right. Mm -hmm. um, and I, what I, I think, you know, I'm trying to think if I added anything else in when COVID happened for me right away, you know, I was starting to feel sick. So 
when I start to feel sick or I'm being really, you know, my partner's sick and I don't want to get it, mm-hmm. something like that, I immediately cut out all sugar from my diet and I don't, in, I don't eat fruit and I don't eat honey. I mean, all sugar, it's all immediately yeah. gone. Um, I keep myself very warm and I drink lots of, uh, and eat lots of hot, spicy things. Um, mm. I consume extra garlic. And so when I started to feel ill and COVID hit me really fast. So it was literally overnight. I went from, is that a tickle in my throat to 103 temp it was very fast. Wow. Um, and so that day I'm doing these things. I'm like, no sugar, roast the garlic, get the fresh ginger and make ginger shots. Um, astragalus, elderberry, vitamin D, vitamin C, cayenne, um, multiple layers. So I'm helping this fever reach, you know, peak as soon as possible. Um, I added like 40% more fluids into my day just immediately to drink more tea and water, um, bath, hot bath, um, that kind of thing. So, so just to sort of reiterate the supplements that I was taking that were specific to immune support were turmeric, ginger in multiple forms, garlic, spices in multiple forms, elderberry, CD, uh, the UGCG, um, that kind of thing. Let's see. And then I was taking um, higher doses of CBD and uh, the, the kratom because of the body aches. I had very mm. severe pain. So I was trying to medicate the pain with my painkillers. I was also, oh, I had a terrible headache. So I was using like Jamaican dogwood. Um, I, have a, I have a tincture blend that's called Cramp Care that's a for muscle spasms and, and muscle tension in the body. So I was trying to medicate my headache with that. I really, I really don't use medicine over the counter um, stuff until mm-hmm. I just can't bear it. I'll be in pain for days before I'll take like an ibuprofen <laughs> or something. Um, and it was, it was definitely painful. I'll say that for sure. And then, yeah. um, you know, I continue all that I, marshmallow tea. I was drinking, trying to keep it out of my lungs, sage, mm-hmm. um, burning in, burning the incense and the, you know, the, the sweet grass and, um, Palo Santo and just kind of keeping things in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one other thing that was coming to mind, sage marshmallow. It didn't go into my lungs, which was nice. I was glad about that. That's good. Yeah. Um, gut health stuff. So like probiotics and then on the other side of it. So when my fever kept going up, um, it did get to a point where I was uncomfortable. I was losing like the ability to think and I was Mm. starting to get afraid and it wasn't, didn't look like it was like, it was just going up and it was going up fast. So when, when it got to be about 103, then I started to take some Tylenol. And, um, after that, I took extra milk thistle and dandelion root to give my liver some love and say sorry for (laughs) using Tylenol. It was probably like, what is this? Um, So extra like liver support and gut health, um, extra licorice and that kind of thing to help um, repair any any damage that I might have done to my gut with Tylenol. Uh, And then since then, I really like that part of the question. Since COVID, um, what I have continued is extra gut recovery stuff. So I have a little blend of aloe licorice and um, what was the other one? Three ingredients. Blanking on the other ingredient right now, but it's a nice little powder that's like a gut healing powder. Aloe licorice? I don't remember. Um, So I'm taking that. I'll just run the course of that. I'll run the course of my milk thistle. And I'm still staying diligent with my vitamin D and um, an elderberry zinc combination. Um, in addition to just like my lifestyle, which is pretty, pretty strictly healthy. So I think those are the things that have really stayed. First off, I'll say, holy shit. <laughs> you have a lot of you have a lot of stuff going on, which is yeah. remarkable. You have a literal whole apothecary in your house it sounds like which is fantastic (laughs) and i'm 
I struck I people look at my little thing and I just think like, oh my God, I couldn't do <laughs> probably 75% of everything you said there. I'm like, I could not do because I don't I don't have it. So so that's uh that's incredible. <laughs> well that is a good caveat. I do I do live in an apothecary, so <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for people listening, that was probably a little overwhelming because it was overwhelming for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's that's a lot of stuff. Um it sorry. it does uh, it's I know I and don't be sorry that was, that was amazing because I really love each and every one of the things that you said I, they all have very specific purposes not and not only did you say like oh I just upped my elderberry but you like did multiple immune supporters that like we were talking about earlier probably interact together to support the immune yeah. system but you thought about like each individual part of your body so you took my your gut and you're like okay these three or five herbs go to the gut sorry liver but here's some dandelion root some burdock root some whatever uh, other stuff that you that you said and it's um yeah i mean that's like i think that in general what you just did in my perspective is like you took the whole body and you took what like herbalism is it's like okay, I have like some brain fog. Here's what I can, here are like the five herbs that I love to go for brain fog, the gut, the liver. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've experimented and done like the same thing. Like, unfortunately I've had surgeries and like three surgeries in the last uh, year, basically. And surgeries are terrible on your body. First off, they just wreck you. And like the the painkillers that they give you are crazy so like my liver i just felt like i could actually like feel just like the strain that i was going through so like you said the dandelion root the chicory root the burdock root i was just slamming those like i still am honestly i'm like every day i'm like i probably still need to (laughs) need some some boost (laughs) back into it but yeah so that was that was a lot and also amazing now did you experience any of the loss of the senses I didn't. Um, okay. I didn't. And I'm glad it was something that I was paying attention to. I had a very strange congestion, which was non-productive and very deep in my head. And even now, and it's been probably almost two weeks or no, it's got to be more than that. Maybe almost three weeks. I had it the week before Christmas um, or the okay. week of Christmas. I'm still kind of clearing my throat more than I normally do because there's this strange kind of congestion and it was never productive. Like I was not mucusy, but I sounded Mm. congested. I sounded like it was in my throat. It sounded like, you know, and it was unlike anything I had experienced before, but I did not lose my scent uh, or my sense of um, taste or smell. And I don't know which variant I got. Um, Right. You know, they say it's less with the latter, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, that is interesting because so I had COVID back in August of 2020, yeah, right, right, I mm-hmm. think so. So this was a while ago, like very, very beginning of it. So I'm assuming it was the first variant of, of COVID, mm-hmm. and I did lose my senses uh, for a week, and it was miserable, it was terrible to lose your sense, especially for someone like myself who drinks tea and appreciates all these flavors. And I was devastated. I was super depressed about it. Um, And what I did, I, yeah, I slammed zinc and green tea and I have, and the only reason I, I was like looking into it and I've, I've heard that zinc deficiencies just in general, regardless of COVID actually result in a loss of your sense of smell. Yeah. So I was right. like, okay, well, maybe the COVID is doing something, is binding to the zinc that I have had in my system and just, or binding to the receptors where zinc normally would go. I don't know. So I, I slammed a bunch of zinc and high zinc foods like oysters and other, like I think walnuts are high in zinc. And yeah. then the green tea is um, known as an ionophore. And so it actually helps transport the zinc through the cell barrier into and be able to absorb be able or allows your body to be able to absorb these sort of uh compounds more available it makes it more bioavailable basically so and i was able to get over it within a week and like i said i'm I'm perfectly fine now like i 
never, I don't have any lingering symptoms, but I don't know. And it's, it's hard. It's hard when I talk about it. I'm like, I don't know if it's because of that, like that. Yeah. I got my senses back or if it, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, but I, I will say it sucked. <laughs> it was not fun. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you got over that, that part of it quickly and you're on the right track, you know, zinc deficiency and, um, those senses are directly linked. So mm -hmm. yeah. And, and zinc, you know, is so important for immunity in general that, and it's such a common deficiency and it's really hard to test for. Um, so that's, that's a whole kind of conversation. Zinc. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know that, like you said, that, that is kind of a whole conversation. Um, but no, again, I appreciate you talking about that because it's something important to understand for people now. And I guess to break down, what would you say? Because again, you talked about a lot right there with the COVID <laughs> and yeah. protocol for someone listening and they're like, that's too much. I, that was too mm. overwhelming. Would you have like a top three? or five herbs and supplements yeah. that you would recommend for someone who's maybe experiencing COVID right now or is coming off of COVID and is needing a little boost? Yeah, absolutely. And I realized that I forgot to mention one of my biggest immune supports and that's functional mushrooms. So they were there yeah. the whole time and those, those mm -hmm. got, you know, doubled or tripled in that time frame too. Um, I think, you know, and I'll, I'll give these, these top three in a second. I just want to make the note that you know, one sensation that I had really clearly when I was um, realized that I had COVID and was going to go through this and was was doing what I was doing is I I thought now is not the moment that these things are going to help me very much. What the moment was all of what I have done leading up to now. I was like, now we're yeah. in it. <laughs> now yep. we're at war. Yep. And the reality of like having an extra teaspoon or two of elderberry in the moment, like everyone should, but it is, it is the foundation you build going in. And I, I just felt like that. I was like, I felt like I'm not in control. There's not very much I can do to modify this situation. We got to let the body do what it's going to do. Mm -hmm. And it was a ride. So that was, that was a very good reminder. Um, I don't know if I needed that reminder, but I won't forget it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So in, in building your, um, you know, and lots of these things do help shorten the lengths of colds and flus. So they probably were helpful, right. but the degree to which they're helpful is, is, you know, kind of what I'm referencing. So, you know, I think some of the best immune supports truly are things that are just like in the common kitchen or in your grocery store. I would recommend garlic 100%, you know, for anybody. And if you're, if you're really intolerant to garlic, cause I hear a lot of people say it's hard to digest, you know, it's, it's not my friend, um, to have a little bit, you know, have a little bit of it if possible, like even a tiny bit is going to be helpful. And if you can do garlic, do a lot of it. That's a very powerful support. Um, ginger is the same. So I have a recipe on my website for fresh ginger shots. It's so simple. You just blend it, strain it. You can have a quart of ginger in your fridge. You can do shots all day long. It's fantastic yeah. for circulation and muscle spasms and all these things and immunity, gut health. It's such a good plant for so many things. Um, what would I say after that? I would probably, so in the herbal world, it would be mushrooms. It would be functional mushrooms. Um, mm. I'm partial to a blend. So you can get mm. a bunch of different mushrooms in your blend. So like, you know, usually they'll come in blends of four to, to 11, you know? So it's like chaga, reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps, shiitake, maitake, turkey tail, something like that. You get all those. You take those every day. Those help your immune system to be super strong and just like adaptogens, balanced. So it's not overstimulated and it's not suppressed. So if you have an autoimmune condition, functional mushrooms can be really helpful because they're not going to overstimulate your immune system. Um, in the non-herbal world, the last one I would add as number four would be um, vitamin D. It's a common, yeah. common deficiency, hard supplement to get up for people who are low and really, really, really important for immunity. Take it with food. 
take it every day, know where your levels are, know if you're low or high. So three yeah. herbs in one supplement. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's super important. And like you said, those are been the things, I think the most important thing you said there was now, once you had COVID, then that's not the time to be thinking about this. It's right now when we're all, whoever's listening, who's healthy, it's like, that's yeah. the time to be doing this. Like you said, now every winter I do start to, I take a vitamin D supplement. I take a probiotic and I take exactly yeah. like what you're saying, a functional mushroom with, it has, I think every mushroom you said minus lion's mane plus one called like Fung Li. And I have no idea. I've never really heard of that one before, um, yeah. before taking the supplement, but it's like that plus it has vitamin D3 in it, plus it has zinc, plus it has like some of these other vitamins. And I'm like, okay. So like I, I now take that. Actually, today was my last day. I need to re-up some. Um, but that's, <laughs> yeah, that's something that like I do daily now because, yeah, I'm like, okay, just support the immune system. And especially I live in Minnesota. It gets dark. Like I can't get the vitamin D outside. It's too cold outside. Yeah. It's dark. It, it, same with you in New York. It's if you're in this northern yeah. hemisphere right now at this point, it's you can't really go outside and, and get that vitamin D naturally. So important stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I have like, I mean, I have hours and hours of questions left, but we're going <laughs> to do a quick little, I guess, lightning round just to just kind of wrap this up, if that sounds good. Sounds great. So, yeah. So, Okay. What outside of COVID, just in general, for someone listening, what would you say are like your top three herbs for, that you just have daily on hand that you would like to support the body, support nutrition, support your whatever? Oh, gosh. I have to choose a favorite <laughs> child. Um, oh, <laughs> man. You know, nettle is always on my list. Um, nettle is a, just a buddy. I grew up with this plant and it's, it's one that's been with me on my journey, you know, from the beginning. So it's a, it's sort of a multivitamin, um, in the, in the plant world makes an awesome tea. It's a green. I'm a huge fan of greens for everybody. High mineral, high nutrient. Um, I think that's one that we can, you know, all benefit from. Um, I, it's funny. I don't have like, I cycle my herbs too, so it sort of depends on my mood. But I would say um, I would go with dandelion root next um, or a related plant to the dandelion root. So one of those herbs that's going to be um, prebiotic, supportive for gut health, um, supportive for liver health, uh, bitter. I think bitters are really important. So you get a lot of benefits in the plants, like a dandelion root, which could also be chicory or burdock, something like that. So we'll do those two. Um, and then I would say, I would think I would go with functional mushrooms. Um, I really do like a blend. If I had to choose one instead of a blend, um, maybe it would be, maybe it would be reishi. If we do reishi, then we get a functional mushroom that's also calming. It's also an adaptogen and everyone loves adaptogens. And with yeah. reishi, you get, you know, your immune system support, you get sort of mental health support, you get a little bit of peace and tranquility. So, you know, again, another herb that's really multifunctional, which most of them are, but some of them really are. Ah, uh, I want to add one more. Got to do one more really <laughs> quick. Lavender. Lavender is like the Ooh. ultimate chill pill. I think lavender is so underrated and it's really powerful and um, I love it. So, yeah. And as a tea, it's such a nice tea. Such yeah. a, that, that one is truly just the experience of pouring it. And then you sit there like with it, like and hovering your nose just right over it. It's, it's <laughs> heavenly before you even drink it. It's just such a nice experience. It, like you can feel it tingle your spine, calm you yeah. and then you sip it. Really amazing. Yeah, yeah, well, and it's working. Rochelle, the second you smell it, it's working. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Rochelle, I appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I'm I have so many more questions. I think if you're open to it, I would love a, a round two with this at some point. Um, maybe later this yeah, year. Let's do it. 
so can you just give everybody or give yourself a plug? Where can people find your work? I know you have a bunch of classes on online. You have your supernatural food. Like, do yeah, give your plug for everything. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so our website is youaresupernatural.com. That's the letter youaresupernatural.com. Uh, and you'll find everything there. We have a shop with products that I curate. We have um, online classes. There's tons of articles and podcasts and videos and things that I've been putting up there for free for years at this point. And if you like Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Rochelle Robinette there. And um, maybe some more YouTube in the future. So keep an eye on that space if you like the videos. So sign up for our newsletter also. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. I'm going to include all this in the show notes, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks to Rochelle for that informative conversation. To check out her work, go to youaresupernatural.com. That's the letter U, the letter R, supernatural.com. Or find her on Instagram at Rochelle Robinette. All links in the show notes. Have you been loving this podcast? Want to show your support? Rate us five stars using the link in the show notes. This helps support the show and shows me people are enjoying their time with me. As always, I love you, I appreciate you, and hope you have a blessed day. Peace out, Team Egos. Thank you.